Hello, everybody. Welcome back into Talk Off. It is Tuesday, July 18th, and we are back with another episode. The MLB is back in action. We're done with the All-Star break. Thank God I hate the All-Star break. It's just four days of nothing. It's four days of being stuck with no sports. Uh, It's actually – the All-Star break is actually the – if it wasn't for Wimbledon – it would be the worst four or five day stretch in the sports calendar. It very well could be. It's it's so because when you're just doing nothing, you're like, yeah, might as well see if there's a baseball game on. You just throw on a baseball game. But no, no baseball games for nope. the All Star break. Negative. But this weekend, back in action, we had some great action this weekend. We've had a bit of movement in the standings and the playoff picture since the last time we went over everything. So let's go over what went on this weekend, Chris. I want to start in the AL East. We've had a lot of movement in the AL East. Some teams playing very good, some very bad. So let's start there. And I want to start with the Baltimore Orioles. This team is getting hot at the right time right now. And they're on an eight game win streak. They are only one game back of the Tampa Bay Rays if you're the Baltimore Orioles right now, you could not be happier about where you are because everybody know knew that the, the Rays were going to fall off eventually. They couldn't keep up the pace they were at at the beginning of the year. And a lot of people were looking at the Yankees and the Orioles as the two teams that could compete with them. The Yankees obviously have falled, fallen off, which we will get to, but the Orioles have just surged to the top. One game behind the Rays right now. And right, I think if you're looking right now about how the teams are playing – you have to think that the AL East is all Orioles. You have to think that they're going to take this division. And it, it, it bodes the question, will this finally, finally be the year that they make a big move and get somebody in this system that can help them go far in the playoffs? You know, you make you bring up a great point where you're saying, is this finally, finally going to be the year where Baltimore decides to lay all the chips on the table and really push for a deep postseason run via the trade deadline? And Zach, I think you make a, a really good observation where you say, you know, this this is, you know, th- this could be the Orioles division, you know, after thinking the first half of the season, we always, you know, you hear the casual, the, the, excuse me, the usual shut the su- suspects, uh, the Yankees, the Rays, these teams, everyone knew at the beginning of the year. Now Baltimore, a team that we knew was going to have a nice roster, but maybe not as as productive as we thought that they were going to be. We know that there's a lot of young guys on this roster. So this is a pretty big week for the Orioles. The Dodgers are in town right now, and then they have to go to Tampa Bay this weekend for a four-game series. So three against the Dodgers starting tonight, or if you're listening to this on Tuesday, you will already have known the score, uh, the outcome of last night's Dodgers-Orioles game. Two more in, two more in uh, Baltimore and then four down in Tampa Bay this weekend. So I think this is going to show, really going to show a lot of uh, who this team is. And Zach, this could be potentially one of the better series that we've seen in a few weeks here. I mean, this is, I mean, there's been a lot of good series. I mean, we've talked a lot about Braves, Rays, and some of the other series that we have seen, seen like the uh, the D-backs and the Dodgers. But this has real, real implications here for the division. I mean, four games, obviously it's not your typical three-game series, so there could be a really big swing if there's a sweep or you go three and one. 
there's a lot that could happen here. And I think this is, if you're an Orioles fan, this is exciting. If you're a Rays fan, I think you're holding your breath. But here's the catch. I think if, let's say, worst comes to worst, and we're saying absolute worst happens here. If Tampa gets swept, I wonder if that does anything to the front office saying, we lost the division now. We, we, we don't have the lead no longer in the East. Do we really have to to go out all out on the trade deadline because you're talking about Tampa Bay and Baltimore, two teams who have shown that they can build through their systems and they've gotten obviously to where they are now, both plus 50 win teams and under 40 loss teams. But at what point do one of these teams after the series, is it, is there a possibility? Do you think after one of these series that either front office is saying, boy, we really have to jump on someone now because there is a better team out there in the division and they showed it this weekend. You know, I, I don't think this is a time that that a lot of GMs and a lot of front offices are going to are gonna panic and think, you know, a couple uh, we lose a couple games and, yeah, we're not leading the division and we might not win the division, but I don't think that's going to separate either team from trying to go after someone, especially a team like the Rays. You have to remember that this is not the AL Central where we're talking about if the if this happened to the Twins and they lost a bunch of games and went to second in the Central, then that's a conversation for their uh, ownership and their management to decide because they have such few wins. With the Rays and the Orioles, even if they do not win the AL East, they will be the number one wildcard team to make the playoffs. And both of these teams, I can see making a far push in the playoffs. So I do think that these next seven games for Baltimore are, like you said, going to be very, very important, and they're going to show a lot. The Dodgers are have been having a resurgence right now, taking the lead in the NL West, and then they got the Rays, and that is going to be the series to watch at the end of this week. I think Baltimore, if in this stretch of seven games, even if they can go three and four, I still think they're in a good spot. With how hot they are, I expect them to go five and two. Honestly, maybe even three and I mean four and three, but we'll see what happens. Looking at it from the Tampa's perspective, four games coming up against Baltimore. Like you said, they're probably holding their breath and praying that they can at least just squeak by, splitting the series. I don't honestly don't even think like I don't think they're going into this series being like. Let's go. We can take four. We got to take four. Like no, I don't I think, think they're that they're happy confidence. with a split. There's like how not that good... uber confidence that they had the first month and a half of the season where they were yeah. literally unbeatable. Hundred percent. And with how good the Orioles have been recently, their last 10, 15 games have they've just been incredible. They're probably baseball's hottest team right now. I think you'd be okay with splitting this series if you're Tampa and. You know, that that kind of keeps people where they are, depending on how Baltimore does against uh, the L.A. Dodgers. But, I mean, we'll see at the end of the week where everybody ends up because, you know, this week can sh- is going to show a lot in the standings and we could see more teams fall. Now, I want to bring to your attention just for a second. So obviously everyone knows the it's the is it August first now because some some year some years it's 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 changed. It's, I know it's been yeah. the 31st sometimes. I think it's I think they usually try to it's land it on a Tuesday. It's the first this year. It's the first? Okay. Because I think they try to land it on a Tuesday. Um, so, Zach, take a look, if you don't have it in front of you already, the last uh, – the, the remaining games for the Orioles in the month of July. This schedule does not get any easier for them for the rest of the month. And I think maybe this could be a scenario where 
if the team starts to slide a little bit, they look for reinforcements before the trade deadline to maybe beef up and beat the market uh, before teams really start making phone calls, which usually start to happen, I would say. Let's see, today's the 17th. I would say that the stove really starts to heat up probably just over a week from now. So next Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday. But like I, like I mentioned, you have the Dodgers in town right now. Then you go down to Tampa Bay for four games. Then you have to go up to Philly for three games. Mm-hmm. And then the Yankees come down for three. And then you end the month with, the, with Toronto at home. This is not an easy stretch by any, any means. So I wonder, like like I said, I wonder if they do start to slide a little bit, if they could be buyers before the deadline, maybe get in on some early action. Yeah, I you know, I think if they if they do end up sliding a little bit that there'll be a little more urgency uh if it happens a little bit before the deadline. I think there'll be more urgency to get new guys in there. We've already seen teams start to slide that teams that I think need just need to make a trade. Forget the fucking deadline. You, they need to make a trade right now. A, teams like, I think the Rays are up there. Teams like, I think the Diamondbacks right now because they're sliding. I think these teams need to assess where they are and how they're playing right now and be like, can we go with two more weeks of just bad baseball? I, I don't see the point personally. I, I know a lot of teams like to wait until the very last day to make moves or the very last couple days last week. There are some teams out there that need to make moves sooner rather than later. The Diamondbacks, the Rays being those teams. If the Orioles, you know, if they lose this series to LA and then they lose the series to Tampa, I do think that they might have a little more urgency come next week at the beginning of next week, hopefully getting some deals done, making some calls, because this is a team that definitely could use veteran pitching help. This is a team that could definitely use another power bat in the outfield. So this is a team that definitely needs help they need help they're going to need help come trade deadline time like i said in the beginning it's just is this the year that they're finally going to do it because we know this is not something that baltimore is used to going out and getting a big name come deadline time totally agree uh yankees let's move in the let, let, let's say in the nl east here yankees uh so kind of interesting kind of interesting uh p- post deadline this was uh, not the series that you were hoping for against Colorado. Uh, you know, Colorado takes two out of three uh, from underneath you, and uh, now you're scrambling. Now, now for sure, Yankees are scrambling. They are now last in the division, tied with the Red Sox at fifty and forty-four, sitting six games above five hundred. And like I said, it doesn't get any easier for for a team like the Yankees. You're going to have to play in division. You're going to have to play teams on the West Coast right now. It's uh, it, it does not get any easier for the Yankees by any stretch of the imagination. And Zach, I want to bring up one point that I know some Yankee fans have been worried about. Carlos Rodon, 0-2 in his first two starts as a Yankee. Obviously, there's a lot of hype to be living up to, uh, you know, being a hundred plus million dollar pitcher coming into New York. There's a lot, there's always going to be a lot of pressure and we're only two starts into his, his Yankee career, but if you're a Yankee fan, this is not what you were looking for at all, considering the fact that you're already down one star in Judge. You're expecting a star in Rodon to come back off the off the injured list. 
And the first two starts you get from him are losses. So this has to be a little worry. It's it, it, it's it's worrisome. You're not pushing a panic button. It's only two starts, but you have to be pissed off. There's no reason for you not to be pissed off. Yankee fans are Yankee and Mets fans. New York fans in general are impatient, and I bet you there are a lot of people who will start to become impatient with Rodon if this is his production so far early in his season. Yeah, I mean the Yankees are in such a tough spot right now because. With the injury to Judge, we knew that the team was going to be bad without him. And there was no question that Aaron Judge was the Yankees, and the Yankees are Aaron Judge. But there was a time when Aaron Judge was hurt that the Yankees were still able to stay afloat. And they were still playing all right baseball, but they there was something missing. Right now, everything is missing. There is nothing, there is no bright spot on this team right now outside of Garrett Cole. The hitting has been seriously abysmal. This is a team that has Aaron Judge still leading in home runs, has Aaron Judge still leading in RBIs with 40. They don't have another person over 40 RBIs, which is terrible. This is a team that has Glaber Torres leading an average at 261 because they have barely anybody that's qualified because everybody just keeps getting hurt. When you run out guys like Jake Bowers and Billy McKinney and Willie Calhoun, like you can't do that and expect to win ball games. Volpe's been atrocious in his first season at shortstop. I'm sorry, it's just a fact. Donaldson's been atrocious. They pay him way too money to be as old and as bad he is. The only good thing about him is that his glove is not terrible. Rizzo has been abysmal this year. He hasn't hit a home run in I think two months. And Stanton's terrible as well. Like. This, there is no bright spot to this team right now in the lineup, in the rotation, again, besides Garrett Cole. They uh, give up a walk-off to Colorado, Alan Trejo's first home run of his career after 100-and-something at-bats. The announcers jinx the absolute fuck out of the Yankees, and they lose that game. You drop two out of three to Colorado, and you find yourself now last in the AL East. All the talk at the beginning of the season about how the Red Sox were going to be the laughing stock of the AL East, and look what's happening right now. The Yankees are at the bottom, and I don't see them getting any better. At least if you're, you know, if you're in my shoes and you're Boston, you have a lot of things to look forward to because your team is almost outperforming. The Yankees are underperforming to the worst possible. Like they're stooping so low right now. They need Aaron Judge. They need to make a trade. They need something to spark this offense because right now the offense is seriously what's hurting them. Yeah, no, could not agree more. There, there needs to be a spark, and the only, the only issue is that the Yankees are not afraid to be buyers at deadlines, and uh, we've seen this. I've seen an interesting point being brought up around Twitter today, and a lot of play like the, the, as we know, the longer Judge is going to stay on the shelf, the less of the, the the chance the Yanks have to make the playoffs. I mean, there's no secret around that especially with right now the roster that they have this is not a playoff team in you know playing playing you know against your competition in your division it's going to be impossible for them to make it out with the current roster they have do you think this could be Cashman's last year do i think it will be no do i think it should be probably i think Brian Cashman has done a lot of great things for the Yankees in the in 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 the past but right now, there, there's nothing that you can look to for the past couple of years that you'd be like, yeah, Cashman really got us on that one. He did good good on that one. 
Like they gave out some really bad contracts. They took on some really bad trades. They took on some really bad contracts, a la Josh Donaldson. Uh, the whole IKF experiment, I mean, we all, all know how that went. I mean, it's just like if you've looked at Brian Cashman's last couple of years, the only big thing he's done is sign Aaron Judge. And he only did that because of Aaron Judge, not because of him. Aaron Judge wanted to come back. So I, I think when you when you look at a general manager of a team like the New York Yankees, who is so used to winning, so used to being atop the AL East, atop the entire AL, atop the MLB, winning World Series, getting to the playoffs every year, and then you look at Brian Cashman, you can't look at the two and say that they're going together right now because Brian Cashman's just not doing what Yankees need to, the Yankees need him to do. And if he doesn't have a good trade deadline, the Yankee fans are going to call for his head because they're already ripping him apart this entire season. The Yankee fans are CEOs of blaming their general manager anytime anything goes wrong ever. They are always calling for Cashman's head. And if if they can't call for Cashman's, they call for Boone's head. It's always someone they have to blame. And I do think that Cashman could be on the hot seat if this trade deadline does not go the way the Yankees want it to go. But I feel like the Yankees have shown that they have faith in Cashman. They've kept him around this long, even when there were some questions about him. So, I mean, we'll see how this deadline goes for them. Obviously, we expect them to spend a a good amount of money. So maybe he can figure it out and they can figure out this roster and get start getting some hits once judge comes back and they make a couple moves. But right now there's, there's no, there's no looking up for the Yankees. They're, they're no step forward. There are a lot of steps back right now and it's, it's unbearable to watch almost. It's, 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 it's uh they're not a fun team to watch by, by any means right now. So uh, speaking of the Yankees, speaking of the Yankees, I feel like this, you know, we, we can tie this into this a little bit. The Otani sweeps, sweepstakes, the Yankees are obviously have, have been a team that has been thrown around for Otani, but there's been others out there. Uh, I've seen the Mets actually be thrown into some uh, Otani uh, rumors, but Zach, let's get your immediate reaction on the Otani rumors post post All-Star break. We knew that the general manager and owner of the Angels came out prior to the All-Star break uh, saying that they didn't believe Otani was going to be moved, and now we're hearing differently. Uh, this could all be just, you know, just smoke kind of blowing out of someone's ass, and we're just trying to create rumors out of nothing, and Otani could be, you know, sitting still in Los Angeles for the remainder of the season. But it's very, very interesting to see uh, the Otani sweepstakes start to unfold, and uh, Twitter's going crazy. So, Zach interested to hear what you have to say yeah you know the thing with Otani right now is that everybody obviously wants it and the Angels came out after the break and they pretty much said that they're taking calls on Otani they will take calls um they basically said they don't want any of the calls to start they basically said they need every call to start with more than one top 100 prospect that was expected My guess is they're looking for three or four top 100 guys, to be completely honest. But we really don't know, again, we don't know what the package for Otani would look like because for a lot of these teams, trading for Otani means Otani for two months because he's going to decide where he goes after this year no matter what. 
I was surprised to see that the LA Dodgers are out. They pretty much said that they're not trading for Otani and they just can't do it. I'm surprised that they're out so early, but I understand because honestly, I think they're out right now because they feel like they absolutely can get him in free agency. We've heard obviously teams like the Yankees. A lot of people have been saying the Yankees have been calling a lot about Otani and that they are probably the team that's most motivated to get him right now come trade deadline time. The Mets have been in there, and there's some other teams that have been thrown in there. I even heard something about the Rays being a possibility. I heard that as well. You know, and I just think that right now the Otani sweepstakes is so hard because, again, you're getting him for a guaranteed two months. And, yes, we're talking about a generational, possibly best player of all time. You're getting a top five pitcher and a top two hitter pretty much right now in the league. But again, it, it, it's nothing is guaranteed in this game, and you have two months of Otani. And if you really don't think that you're an Otani away, I'm sure every team thinks they're an Otani away from winning the World Series. But if you're really not just an Otani away from winning the World Series, you have to sit there and wonder: Is it worth giving up all this capital that I have in my farm system for this guy? It needs to be if, – if a team's going to do it, it has to be a team that's like, we need to win this the World Series this year and who gives a fuck about anything else? Because right now, I'll say it again, I've said it a million times, two months of Otani. He will decide where he goes next year. No one else. And I do not think that he will stay where he's traded. Yeah, I think this is this is going to be a situation that's going to be driving a lot of general managers crazy. I think one person in particular is Brian Cashman because I've seen a lot of reports the Yankees are want to be strong in on Otani. I think, I mean, I could be completely wrong by saying this, but this is just like a thought I have. I wonder almost if Cashman knows that the roster has kind of been stuck the past few years, and I wonder if he thinks that making a big jump will kind of get the fans back involved with the team and you know, kind of back on his side. But, I mean, the Yankees are the Yankees. They're always going to have a good farm system. They're always going to have the resources to bring in these players. And, obviously, you have resources to resign him. So, it doesn't – it it might – for the Yankees in particular, it might make the most sense for them right now to trade for him. He They might be the team in position to, to make that jump. The Dodgers, I don't really know if it makes sense. I mean, the only reason why I'm – you know, iffy on the Dodgers is because we've already seen them make deals with Scherzer and Machado, these big, big deals where they're sending away a lot of prospects and it doesn't really pan out for them. So I, I almost wonder if, if when, when there's reports saying that the Dodgers are out, I wonder, like you said, that they feel like they can sign him in free agency and maybe there's just a bad taste in their mouth from having, you know, rentals like Trey Turner, Scherzer, guys like that. Maybe that's something that's throwing them off. But the Rays, on the other hand, they have so much incentive to go after a guy like this, especially when you don't know if talent is going to resign there or not. Obviously, they probably do not have the resources to resign Otani for the long term. But I wonder if maybe if they did trade for him, and in, in what scenario could they possibly shell out, you know, sixty million AAV for? three years with the, with with the team option and maybe just lock them into a short-term high annual value contract. That would be interesting to see. I don't think they would ever do it, but like th- th- there might be ways around for a small team like, like Tampa Bay uh, to get a guy like Otani without having to throw out 
10 or 12 years at him. Yeah, I know. I, th- I think you bring up a good point about the Rays is that, you know, a, a lot of things, you know, people think about the Rays and they don't think about big signings. They don't think about a team spending a lot of money. But what you do think about is you think about the farm system and you think about all the capital that they have. This is a team that can trade away an Otani pack, a, a rental Otani package, and they can still feel okay with their farm system. They can give up a couple of top 100 guys and still have a couple of top 100 guys and have guys just outside the top 100. That's how good this farm system is right now. So, you know, I think if we're looking at Otani being traded, uh, do I th- do, uh, you know, and just flat out to say, do I think Otani will be traded? No. I think he'll finish the season in Anaheim and then he'll pick his, his free agent destination. But if he is going to get traded, I think the two teams we just highlighted are the teams to look at. I think it's the Tampa Bay Rays and I think it's the New York Yankees for two very different reasons. The Yankees, just like you said, honestly, I think Cashman needs a lot of people back on his side in order to keep his job. I think that this offense needs someone like Shohei Otani to get, you know, that is, the, you're getting the best player, the best player in baseball right now. You're like, it's, there's no, way to work the words around it. That's what it is. You'd be getting the best player in baseball. Could the Yankees use the best player in baseball? Absolutely. And I don't put anything past Brian Cashman. I don't put anything past the Yankees and Steinbrenner. If they want Otani, they'll go get him. They they will go get him if they really want him. So I think they're definitely going to be right there. Do I think that the Yankees are Otani away from winning the World Series? No, I don't because I don't have faith in anybody else in the lineup that's not named Aaron Judge. That's just a flat-out truth. Yeah. Now, Tampa, I think, is a really interesting scenario because, again, this is not a team that we see make moves like this. We, they don't make big moves like this. They usually dump their big talent and just get a bunch of prospects that end up coming up and being all-stars. That's just what they do, and they do it better than anyone. But I think this is the team that probably has the best chance of putting together the best package for Otani. Because they have so much capital, because they're playing so well right now, I don't see why a team like this, besides the fact that they are the Tampa Bay Rays, I don't see why a team like this wouldn't go out there and at least call and say, you know, how much is it really going to take to get Otani? They could use the help in the pitching staffs, a guy who's honestly a pretty healthy guy for the fact that he pitches and hits, and they could use that power in the lineup because they've been skidding three and seven in their last 10 games. And the Orioles, like we said, are hunting for that number one spot in the AL East. You do not want to be in the wild card. You really do not want to be in the wild card. You want to have a number one or number two position in your separate league. So the Rays are going to be looking for that top seed in the AL East. If they don't get it, they're going to be screwed with a wild card, and that's going to suck. So I think trading for Otani is something that they should really look at. Because I, I mean, even though I don't think it's going to happen, it's something that they should definitely be calling about and being like, "Hey, what 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 is it going to cost us?" You know, I just I just want to know what it's going to cost. Yeah, like why not? Bare minimum, you might as well ask yourself: it, it, Is it going to be better for us in the long run uh, than just perpetually being a fringe playoff team that always uh, misses expectation? Exactly. At what point are you going to push and be like, we need to win a World Series. We can't just be that good regular season team every single year because you're going to lose fans. You're going to lose 
players that don't want to come. The, players aren't going to come, going to want to come to your team, even though they right now they still don't want to go to Tampa. Nobody wants to go to Tampa because it's the dumpster of the MLB, but the basement of the MLB. I'll say actually because the Florida is the basement of America. Nobody wants to go there because they know that this team's not going to pay you. This team is going to be good, but they don't win shit. So unless you're going to prove that you're going to pay and that you're going to win, players aren't going to want to go play for your team. So I think this is a time that Tampa really needs to figure it out and and make a big move. Even if it's not for Otani, just make a big move. 100%. Another team who is uh, being rumored to be a seller is uh, the St. Louis Cardinals. Now, we've heard that perhaps Nolan Arenado isn't the one that's going to be on the block, but I've heard a lot of names like Paul Goldschmidt being thrown around and maybe even Wilson Contreras. That's been a name that's been flying around just a tiny bit. Zach, this is uh, a really interesting team because we, we thought that they were a pitcher or two away from being really competitive in the division, and now it seems to be all falling apart, and the uh, the Cardinals look like they're ready to blow up the whole roster. Yeah, you know, obviously the the talk with the Cardinals has been terrible this year. They're 13 games under 500 right now. They're clearly not doing anything. And like you said, at the beginning of the year, we thought this team was a pitcher or two away from really competing and and definitely winning their division and possibly competing for a World Series. Now, when you saw them fall, you really saw the huge fall of the St. Louis Cardinals. They had manager problems. They had player problems. They had all these problems that no team wants. And when it came a couple weeks ago and we, there was talk about deadline time and whether the Cardinals would be buyers or sellers, I think a lot of people were hoping they would sell. And it, it seems like that's what they're going to do. They're going to sell a couple guys with, who they absolutely should. Now, there was talk about selling Nolan Arenado. There's been talk about selling Paul Goldschmidt and Wilson Contreras. I think it's all smoke screens. I don't think Arenado's going – I know Arenado's not going anywhere. They said Arenado's not going anywhere, and I'm happy that they finally came out and said that. Personally, I think it's a 99% chance that Goldschmidt doesn't go anywhere either. I think when you have a guy like Arenado and a guy like Goldschmidt, two guys who are – probably just exiting their prime. Arenado's probably right at the back end and Goldschmidt maybe just left his prime, but they're still very good guys that you can still build around and have veteran presence in your lineup on your team, which is what I thought they were going to have this year. I thought they were going to have a good mixture of veteran presence with those two guys and with Wilson Contreras and mix that with the young guys coming up like Brendan Donovan, Nolan Gorman, but that just didn't happen. I know this team's going to sell, and I hope they sell in the right way. Obviously, the whole Wilson Contreras thing hasn't worked out. Do I think they can trade him? No. I don't think he's proved enough for a team to pick up that contract that they just gave him, and that's just unfortunate. I really think that's just something the Cardinals are going to have to deal with, and hopefully he can get better, or they can get a catcher, and they can just have him DH, because he's a terrible catcher, and the hitting hasn't been that great either. I think this is a team that we see sell off a lot of pitching, which which is so weird to say, seeing that all we talked about was how they need pitching. But I don't think Jordan Montgomery is going to be on this team. I don't think Jack Flaherty is going to be on this team. I think they'll sell some of their bullpen arms. I don't think Tyler O'Neill is going to be on this team anymore, even though he's been hurt. I don't think either Donovan or Gorman or one of them's go- like this, this team will look Someone, significantly yeah. different in the next few weeks. There is no question. They will sell 
probably 10 to 15% of this line of not this lineup, this, this, Oh my God, this roster. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I think the team is going to look completely different. And I think you almost have to, because it's, it's gotten to a point where it's not up to the, the Cardinal standard and it, it's time to, to, to switch it up and better late than never. So. Yeah. I mean, we've been talking about it for weeks now. They, they, this team had to sell. It was, there was no question that they had to sell again. I just, I really hope they do it in the right way and don't sell off one of their pieces that could still be a key part of this team. 100%. Yeah. So moving on to uh, another team that's, uh, you know, obviously not as bad as the Cardinals, but a team that's sliding a little bit as of recently, and I'm getting slightly worried. And that's one of my favorite teams, the NL, the Arizona Diamondbacks. Honestly, the next two teams that we talk about are going to be sliding NL teams right now. One of them being the Diamondbacks, the other the other one being Cincinnati. Starting with Arizona, this team obviously was so hot at the beginning of the season and the entire first half taking control of the NL West. And they have since been pretty bad. The, the hitting has not been there as it was at the beginning of the season. And it kind of seems to me that if if – one guy's not hitting, nobody's hitting. If it, like they need one guy to like step up with two or three hits, and then everybody hits. Everybody, the hits just keep piling on. When everyone's off, everyone's off on this Diamondbacks team, and it looks no good. As I said at the beginning of this podcast, I think the Diamondbacks are another one of those teams that needs a trade now. Like they cannot waste any more time. They need a bat in that lineup now. They got to go get somebody. Personally, I would look to the outfield, I'd look to Chicago, and I'd look to Cody Bellinger. I think if you add Cody Bellinger to this outfield, you get that extra power, you get pretty much a gold glove center fielder or right fielder, whatever one you want, who can slide into first base if you need him there. And you're just looking at a guy who's been to the playoffs, you're looking at a guy who has shown that he can win rookie of the year. This guy can show that he has power, he can hit to all parts of the field, and he has been heating up recently. He had three home runs this past weekend against Boston. I think that's someone that the Diamondbacks should definitely go after, and they need to do it very, 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 very soon. I really am praying that the Diamondbacks do not wait to the end of the deadline to make a move. Go out, make one now. Stop the bleeding right now. Because if you keep going, you know they already have LA above them. San Francisco is above them now in the NL West as well. So. You're looking at you drop two spots in the NL West right now. You're looking at that third wild card spot now. Not that not you know you're not winning the division anymore. Now you're looking at the third wild card spot in the span of two weeks. So I think Arizona needs to make a move. They need to make a move quickly. Yeah, couldn't couldn't agree more. Arizona is the uh, is a team that is is sliding, and I think I think they need to trade it. And but but it's it's it, it would be. It would almost seem very similar to the. I think it was the twenty seventeen season. Twenty. It was twenty seventeen when the uh, when the Diamondbacks went out and traded for JD Martinez, and uh, they made that push for the wild card. Nothing really came of it. I wonder if they're almost hesitant to do something like that again, make a trade before they're really ready to make a deep postseason run. You know, I guess it's it, it really could be a possibility. 
I just think that the the way this team has had performed in the first half, we saw the team that they can be. And this was a team that I feel, and I think a lot of people felt could compete in the playoffs. Would they, you know, tackle on teams like, like the Dodgers and, you know, like the Braves, probably not, but could this team make a push in the playoffs? A hundred percent. They have some pitching and they have the lineup. I think you add one more arm, you add one more big bat, Maybe you add a reliever. This is the time to add. This is the time that the Diamondbacks need to add because we're not looking at a Cincinnati thing right here where they're having a lot of 22, 23-year-old guys come up and they're just good out of nowhere. This team has veteran presence. This is not just rookies that are playing incredible. They have Corbin Carroll who's playing incredible, but this is this is a team that's been established and they're just figuring it out right now. They added the right pieces. So you add a couple more pieces to this puzzle right here and you have the perfect picture of the Arizona Diamondbacks. There's no question. So let's go on to, uh, I know we talked a little bit about them earlier. Well, we talked about more, more of the division. Uh, let's talk about, let's go back to the, to the East. Let's go to the National League East. Phillies, Making a move now in in the standings, they're now uh, I believe they they've hit they've hit exactly fifty wins, uh, and Miami is uh, starting to slide a little bit, Zach. And this was a team that we looked at Miami for a while, and we were saying how are they good? Uh, and now they're kind of showing more of their true colors. They're still fifty three and forty two, uh, but over their last ten have not been as sharp five and five, and they've dropped three in a row since coming back off the all-star break. I wonder if this is a little slump or if Miami is coming back to kind of what their expectations were prior to the season. Yeah. When it comes to Miami, I really feel like um, we talked about it a lot when we talked about Miami and I really feel like this was a team that we just knew was going to regress. There were, there was too many things going right for them. I mean, you could have seen, I'm pretty sure it was, it was, I want to say like 50, through 50, 60 games, they, ha- they had a, they were like 10 games over 500 and they had a negative run differential. That's horrible. That, that like, that does, doesn't happen. That just means you're winning a lot of games one to zero and you're, you're winning a lot of close games that you probably shouldn't be winning and things are just going the right way for you. So I think this is a team that was due for regression. It was going to happen because again, like you said, when we looked at this team, it's like, how is this team winning? especially when you talk about how Sandy has not had a great season and the hitting is just not great outside of Luis Arise. It's just a fact. Um, I guess Jorge Soler has been okay, but this team has really not been great. And recently they've been showing, in my opinion at least, who the Miami Marlins of 2023 really are. I think they're going to fall. I think Philly's going to take over them because, again, like we've been talking about since the beginning of June pretty much, the Phillies are hitting the right stride at the right time, exactly like they did last year. They got out to the slow start. June hit. Kyle Schwarber turned it on. The team turned it on. That's what they're doing right now. Obviously, still 10 and a half back from Atlanta. Nobody's catching Atlanta. Nobody expects them to catch Atlanta. But one game back right now from the Marlins, they are a half a game back from Arizona. So they're half a game back from a wild card spot right now. I think we could see almost a, maybe another immaculate Phillies run because again, they're hitting the right strides at the right time of the season. Yeah, no, 100% Philly is a team that they, look, 
this is kind of the story of what they were last year. They were a second half team, made that spectacular run in late September for uh, for a postseason spot, snuck in and made it all the way to the World Series. This is kind of Philly's identity. It's kind of just figure out their identity throughout the season and then make a playoff push at the end of the season. And if it works for you, it works for you. It worked for them last year, so maybe they think it can work for them again this year. I, I mean, it, this just proves that it really doesn't matter how you start out because we saw the Rays get out to that historic start. They might not win the division. We saw the Phillies get out to a terrible start, and you know, they might squeak into the playoffs again and make another run. This is why baseball is amazing. This is why the playoffs are the best because anyone can really win. As long as you are in those playoffs, you can win. There is no question that any team in this – like I for personally believe if the Oakland Athletics squeaked into the wild card, they could win a series because you just never know. Any team could beat any team in any series at any I time. Mean, yeah, I mean they almost yeah. swept Atlanta this year, so it's like – Exactly. It's just sometimes you get teams on the bad weekend. You get teams on a good weekend. You just don't know what's going to happen. So I think Philly could be another surprise team come playoff time this year and – it's nice to know that they're hitting their stride at the right time because there's nothing worse than getting to this point of the season and your team just hits a lull, like we're talking about with the Diamondbacks and with the Tampa Bay Rays. Yeah, 100%. Let's go on to the um, the NL Central. Big big series this past weekend for the Central. Brewers-Reds. Brewers take two out of three and now have a two-game lead in the division. This is uh this is a race that's going to become tight down the stretch, but now you're going to look to both Milwaukee and Cincinnati. Those might be two teams to look out for during uh, the end of the month's trade deadline for those teams who look for reinforcements for the second uh, for the for the back half of the second half of the season. But Zach, I mean Cincinnati, this has to be a gut punch. I mean you're feeling great coming out of the All Star break tie for the first um, spot in the in the central and now you're two back and even though you're two, it probably feels a lot more than two with a team like Milwaukee, um, probably a built a little better than the reds are for right now. But I mean, both teams are pretty comparable in my opinion. Yeah. Um, you know, we talked about this like two weeks ago, right before the all-star break, we were talking about how, this Dow Cincinnati and Milwaukee were going to play each other right before the all-star break. And then right after Milwaukee takes two out of three in the first series. Then we have the break. Then they sweep Cincinnati in Milwaukee. Uh, you know, this was a series that we were really looking towards the reds to really bring it to Milwaukee and cement themselves as the favorite to win the NL central. That doesn't happen. They lose what, five out of the six games that they play against Milwaukee. And now they're looking like they're two back. I don't want to say it's over because it's obviously not over. We have so much time, so much time left in the season and two games is two games. But I think you're finally seeing what Cincinnati, what happens to Cincinnati when they're hot, they're hot. When they're not, they're not. Because they have such young guys in that lineup, in that rotation, just on the team, they're going to go through a lot of hot and cold streaks because they're not cemented in the league. They don't know how to run the league. They just, it's just, they have a lot of rookies. It's just a fact. They just uh, brought up another rookie, Christian uh, Encarnacio Strand. So we're going to have the longest last name in the MLB right now. Um, But 
I think, you know, the, that Cincinnati is still, uh, again, when, like, I feel like every time we talk about Cincinnati, it really doesn't matter what they do this year because a lot of people are looking to next year. This is going to be next year's team. Whatever they do this year is a bonus. If they make a run, they make a run. If they just miss the playoffs, they just miss the playoffs. And then next year they have guys that have one year of service time already and are ready to come back in 2024 and just absolutely take it to the NL Central. That's going to be my number one bet, I think, for next year is going to be Cincinnati to win the NL Central because I think it's a shoe-in. But right now for this year, Milwaukee is just playing the better baseball at this point. Cincinnati, they need to get another hot streak. I think they think by bringing up Encarnacio Strand that the team's going to get another rejuvenation like they did when they brought up Ellie De La Cruz. We'll see what happens, but right now Milwaukee is just playing the better baseball. Just playing the better baseball right now and – you know, it's it's they're both young teams in some respects, and honestly, if I had to take one roster, I would pick the Reds roster for the future. But I think as of now, just the way they're playing and the veteran pitchers, and you know, of course, we know what Cor- Corbin Burns is capable of. I, I take I take Milwaukee in this division right now, but I don't know, man. I, I I have a feeling like one of these teams that we're not used to making a move at the deadline make a. a Maybe a move that's going to fly under the radar, but one that's going to make them uh, way stronger of a contender come come you know later September. Yeah, you know, I, I'm, I think this is going to be a really interesting deadline because, like we've talked about before, there's a lot of fringe teams that we don't know what are going to do. I know teams like um, teams like the Giants, teams like the Boston Red Sox, the Blue Jays, teams like the Brewers, the Phillies, like teams that are kind of fringe, like may make the playoffs, may not. We really don't know. Or the Marlins. We just, there's so much we don't know. And I can't wait for the next couple weeks until August 1st when we find out what teams really are going to sell, what teams really are going to buy, and how aggressive some teams are going to go to going for it all this year. Because again, going for those big names sometimes works out when you're able to extend them. But Sometimes we've seen teams just give up too much for two months of play and then nothing else. So it's going to be really interesting come deadline time. I'm hoping and praying that the teams I want to make the right moves make the right moves. And, you know, we'll see what happens. This is the most exciting time for the MLB. Completely agree. So uh, you got anything else or should we uh, get in some picks? I say we get into some picks. Sounds good. Should I sing? Damn it, Jake. People are going to think you're not here. Powered by Riverside. All right, we got picks for Tuesday, July eighteenth. I'll get us started. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go Texas Rangers. Texas Rangers over the Tampa Bay Rays tomorrow or tonight. Taj Bradley on the mound for the Rays. Nathan Eovaldi on the mound for the Rangers. This is obviously in Arlington, so you know I got the Rangers. The Eovaldi's been fantastic this year. They win when Eovaldi's on the mound, so that's what I'm going with. 
I'm going to go with the oh, this is tough. I'm going to toss up, but I'm going to go with the uh, the Baltimore Orioles over the Dodgers tomorrow. Baltimore money line. It's always tough to go against the Dodgers, but I like Baltimore. What can I say? Uh, I'm going to stick in that same game. We're going to go Baltimore Dodgers over. Wow. Surprise. We're getting back on the train. Um, also, can we get an update on Sunday night picks? Because I'm pretty sure there was some movement. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. So uh, Zach has taken the taken the lead at seven and eight. I am six and nine, and Daz is five and ten. Let's go. the The game last night, I was clenching my cheeks because. I, I, Thank you, Alex Bregman, is all I have to thank you, Alex Bregman. Thank you, Kyle Tucker. Thank you, Astros. That I should have lost. That was a good game. I, good game. I, yeah, I, I 100% should have lost. After, like, oh, when Otani goes yard, you just feel like the Angels are going to win, and then you remember how bad the Angels are. They're so bad. They need Mike Trout. Okay, roulette. I can do it. Numbers. 36. 12. 15. Okay, 36, 12, and 15. Let's do it. I just live to take Jake's numbers. We missed a spin, so we're going to have to wait. It was six. That's good for me. I feel it. 36, 12. Jake, what was yours? 15. 15. All right, boys. I'm feeling it. Some may say that we're due. We're kind of due. I think we're due. You're not due. Here we go. Spinning. Come on, 36. It'd be so funny to get it in Jake's face. Five. Oh, my God. It was between five. Let me guess. You were going to pick five. Yeah. You say that every fucking week. No, you weren't. Stop lying. I have six numbers. Don't lie to the people. Yeah, I have 36 numbers. Yeah, I mean, I have six. (laughs) Fuck you, Jake. Never get it. Also, I have a question for you. When you laugh, are you laughing at something that I'm doing or are you laughing at your phone? Uh, it depends. <laughs> Today I was zoned out in something else. Oh, okay. But yeah. There's sometimes where like I'll be sitting here and I'll be talking and then I'll just see you laugh and I'm like, what did I say that was funny? <laughs> yeah, those times probably, probably zoned out. All right. All right, cool. I just saw you making fun of me. All right, I think that's going to do it for today's episode. Thanks, everybody, for hanging out with us. We love you, and we will see you on Friday. Adios.